You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. It is Sunday, the 18th of February, and we are live if you're listening between the hours of 4 to 5 p.m. Holy time right here in the land of Israel, or if it's between 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern time, that means that we are live and you can call into the show and join us on the air. That's why we do live shows. So you can join us, but don't tell anybody. And our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. If you'd like to comment or ask a question on the topics that we're talking about, then feel free to join us on the air and call in. All right. Uh, we are, want to say first hello to everybody who's listening in from all over the world, of course, in the Holy Land of Israel, all over the country. Also, Canada, the United Kingdom, Sweden, South Africa, Argentina, Poland, and New Zealand, and Sweden, and Jordan even, that's really nice, and Spain, and Norway. Uh, Nice to see you all listening in from all over, and as we are doing this show, I'm sure more will be joining in. All right, our uh, topics today that we're going to be speaking about is how can the world recognize another state a Palestinian state, that's what they want to do, against the will of the country that owns owns the land and against everything that has been been worked on for decades and decades and decades and decades. Okay, so uh, we'll be discussing that. Also, rescuing the two Argentinian-Israeli hostages, as you know, wonderful, wonderful news that we did uh, rescue two hostages that the Hamas were holding, was a big, big uh, thing here in Israel, a wonderful thing, a joyful thing. We'll be talking about that. Also, America versus Americans, a fascinating study. Also, Western sanctions are a total failure. Moody's downgrade, what does that mean? And Europe's largest gold mine is poisoning the Middle East. All this on the show today with my co-host, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 90 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideastern world issues. I want to welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. All right, so I'd like to start out with uh, one of these news headlines that uh, is being spoken about in our news here. Of course, the Hebrew news that we have on television here and radio, etc. And I'm reading from Arut Sheva, uh, IsraelNationalNews.com. It says here, government unanimously rejects imposition of Palestinian state. Now, this is important because we have left-wingers in our uh, government. We have like a coalition government that we made for the war and It's unanimous. It says here the cabinet unanimously approves declaration brought by Prime Minister Netanyahu rejecting foreign attempts to impose a Palestinian state in the aftermath of October 7th. You know, that would kind of be akin to that the ISIS comes and they make an attack on New York City and they slaughter and they rape and they kidnap American citizens and then Israel... And Russia and other countries should come in and China, let's say, and say, well, we're going to give ISIS a state in New Jersey and the tri-state area and Connecticut and New York and some other places as well, whether you like it or not. Okay, let me just read from this really quickly. The Israeli cabinet this afternoon on Sunday unanimously passed a statement rejecting attempts by international actors to impose a Palestinian state on Israel in the aftermath of the October 7th massacre. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who brought the statement for a vote, said at the start of the cabinet meeting, quote, in light of remarks that have been heard recently in the international community about an attempt to unilaterally force a Palestinian state on Israel, today... I submit for government approval a declarative decision on the issue. I am certain that it will receive very broad support, unquote. And the full statement reads, one, Israel absolutely rejects international diktat regarding the 
permanent arrangement with the Palestinians. I didn't know diktat was a word used in English, but okay. Such an arrangement will be... It is not, correct. Okay. Such an arrangement will be achieved only by direct negotiations between the parties without preconditions. And number two, Israel will continue to oppose unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. Such recognition following the October 7th massacre, and we should add to that, an invasion on Israel a break of breakage of the ceasefire and uh, crimes against humanity. They should add that in there too. Will reward an immense and unprecedented prize to terrorism and prevent any future peace agreement. All right. Comments, questions. Well, you don't have any questions, I'm sure. You, but I'm sure you have comments, Doctor Mordechai Ben Mahan. I, I, I only have one comment. It's almost it's almost funny. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't. You know, it's, it's so difficult to understand what. What these ridiculous people in the White House are trying to do. 85% of the Palestinians reject this idea. 85%, 85. Where? I mean, if, you know, Where? If, if Palestinians wanted it, I can, I can maybe understand what they're trying to do this. But nobody wants it. Only the morons in the White House want it. Okay, nobody wait, 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 wait. I have to ask you because people listening to this are going to say, Where is that written? Where is the source? Oh, there are like tens of sources. Every time, uh, uh, since October 7th, every time, uh, about every week or week and a half, I'm not exactly sure of the frequency, there's been a, uh, a survey of Palestinian opinion, not by Israelis, but by a survey company in Ramallah, uh, 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 one of their survey Which is companies. in the Palestinian Authority. Um, uh, uh, saying, you know, well... well First of all, do they do they accept or reject Hamas? And of course, Hamas. If you accept Hamas, that means that you are against the Palestinian state. Hamas is one of the most the, the most basic. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, um, Objectors. Uh, not, pre, uh, not, not forward, but what's it called in in legal garbage? Um, uh, the, the beginning of their charter, whatever it's called, the preamble. Sorry, I lost the word for a moment. The preamble of the charter rejects the Palestinian state. So if you support Hamas and 85% <laughs> support Hamas, then you reject the Palestinian state. I mean, that, you know, it, you can't get much simpler than that. Okay. Just go and read the Hamas charter. <laughs> what was that? So, not even a question. So, so I want, I want to, I want you to tell our listeners in a nutshell, meaning like a sentence, what the Hamas charter says. Well, that's that's long, I and mean, you can't really sum it up. In, in, well, in if a they sentence. don't want to state, but, uh, the Hamas charter states basically um, a, a, a few very simple ideas. A, they reject any notion of a Jewish state anywhere on the planet Earth. There are even rumors that if the if there was a Jewish state on the moon, they would be obliged to fight there as well. And I'm not joking about that. They reject the on, the concept of a Jewish state anywhere in the world. That's stated specifically in their charter. They reject the idea of the survival of the Jewish people as a people. In other words, their their their, their basic concept is total genocide of the Jewish people. And of course, the 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 um, the, the the so-called um, um, uh, uh, sloganeering that's been that we've been hearing of the from the river to the sea. That's that's just that's just ridiculous garbage. <laughs> that's not what they want at all. That's what the. That's what. The, remember, you, you need to remember. There are three um, of the Islamists. There are three levels of what they think. What they think about Jews. The Hamas is the most extreme. I shouldn't actually say Hamas, and that is, is anyone who's who's associated with the Muslim Brotherhood. The Hamas, of course, is a division of the Muslim Brotherhood, so, so it includes Al-Qaeda and, and ISIS and all these others, etc. They demand total annihilation of Jews all over the world, and of course, total subjugation of all Christians. That's the first level. The second level that was expressed by Abu Mazen uh, of the Palestinian Authority said, we don't have to kill all the Jews, we only have to kill the Jews that uh, are, are consider themselves Zionists. And of course, anyone who, any, any Jew who lives in Israel. And the third level, sort of the, the easiest level, 
as was stated by Nasrallah in, in, in Lebanon, we only have to kill the males because the females we can use, we can use as sex slaves. And I imagine that... And all this is writing. I mean, this is not stuff that you can make up. I imagine if one is not Jewish and they're a Zionist, they would be killed too. Of course. All right. Um, I don't want to dwell too much on that. I think it's pretty obvious where the Hamas stands, and they showed it on October 7th. Men, women, children, babies, uh, civilians, of course. And so let's go to your first topic, rescuing the two Argentinian Israeli hostages. That was a wonderful uh, thing that happened. All of Israel was overjoyed about that and hoping for more. Why don't you tell us about it? Okay, uh, my, my initial concern here in, in, this, in what I'm going to, to say is that people around the world probably do not know what exactly happened. So I'm going to start by describing the actual actions itself, what, what, how it was done, what was done. So that'll take me a couple of moments, but I'll just get that out of the way so people around the world can understand what it is that actually um, 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 uh, occurred there. So uh, a group of soldiers landed on the roof of the civilian building. It was a civilian building in the middle of a civilian neighborhood, and the hostages were being held on the second floor in, in one of the flats. Um, uh, uh, um, think about the level of intelligence that we had in order to know the exact position of the hostages. And when I say exact, I mean exact. Not which room they're in, but exact. We knew where to shoot and where not to shoot. Exact. That's the level of intelligence that we had. Okay? They, they, they landed on the roof of the civilian building, civilian neighborhood, which, by the way, is a, is a war crime under, under international law by itself. They broke into the second floor apartment, neutralized the initial group of guards while guarding the hostages with their own bodies. In other words, the group of soldiers divided into two sections. One section literally surrounded the hostages with their bodies to guard them. While the other group took out the, the, the people that were guarding, so-called so, so guarding the hostages. All this took seconds. Immediately afterwards, they were attacked by tens of savages in an outer ring of guards. Now, you don't you know, you understand this. These are two old men. One is 60, one is 70 years old. They were being guarded by more than 30 savages, heavily armed. The capabilities that were displayed here were phenomenal. And if we go back, for instance, just uh, and we want to make a comparison. We look at what the, 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 the one of the most famous rescue operations um, uh, uh, in the history of special forces, the SAS in the in the Iranian embassy in in in, in, in London, they had a total mashup of it, and that, that's why they're famous because they they repelled down the side of the building, but they failed. Basically, they, they didn't succeed in the in the in the task. They succeeded only very partially. Not one soldier was hurt. Not one of our soldiers was hurt. More than 30 of these savages were neutralized. Um, it's miraculous. It's, 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 the level, the skill level is just unbelievable. One of the things that people need to understand, this is really a, a brilliant, <clears throat> pardon me, a brilliant um, a tactical concept. Every place in the world has special forces. Uh, the U.S. has their uh, Delta Force and their... Uh, and et cetera, et cetera. Britain has their, their SAS, blah, blah, blah. Every country has them today, okay? What's different about Israel is we have a, uh, um, um, uh, 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 a series of special forces units. Each, special, each unit specializes in one type of operation. And that's what they train for constantly. So we have a special unit. <clears throat> I won't go into details. That, that's what they do. Rescue hostages. Go into places very, very, um, uh, um, um, how should I, how should Stealthily? I say? Tight, sensitive places. And they go in and rescue the hostages. That's what they did here. <clears throat> so these, Thank you, these, these, these Thank two you, old men had been held for 129 days. More than four months. Thank God they're now free. They're now back with their families. They're now getting the the, 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 the the medical care that they need, et cetera, et cetera, and everything. People need to understand the, why, the, uh, 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 why the world governments are so 
frightened of us going into Rafah because we know that most of the hostages are in Rafah. That's and the southern, uh, the southern section of Gaza, for anyone who doesn't know the map. Not quite accurate. Rafah is a city which uh, um, uh, uh, straddles the border between the Gaza Strip and Egypt. About two-thirds of it is in the, the northern, two-thirds of it is in the Gaza Strip. The southern third is in Egypt. There's a wall between the, the two sections of it. No one can pass there without permission of the Egyptians. And by the way, when anyone does try, the Egyptians shoot them. And we know of many, many hundreds of people that were killed uh, uh, by the Egyptians while making the crossing um, illicitly. Now, I say I emphasize the word illicitly because there was a, a deal made between uh, Sinwar and, uh, and Al-Sisi about, I'm not certain, I think it was eight years ago. I might, I might, not, remember, might not remember correctly the, the number of years. And so uh, uh, um, uh, some people are allowed to leave over these past few years, have been allowed to leave via the Rafah crossing going from, going from Gaza to Egypt and from, uh, under the condition that they have a, 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 a valid visa to go from Egypt immediately to somewhere else. And about 300 or 1,000 people have left Gaza in the past, um, I think it's seven or eight years since this uh, agreement was reached. But that, that border crossing is very, very strictly guarded. One of the primary headquarters of Hamas and Khan Yunus is actually a, a tunnel network under the graveyard. Now, people, in, people who are not familiar with the Quran, under the graveyard, this is a short, one of the surest ways in Islam to go to Islamic hell. I don't mean that as a curse word. I mean hell as in Dante. This was the command center for the 7th of October attack. That's where it was, under the, under the graveyard, which, as I said, is strictly prohibited under Islamic law. Now, I'll, 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 I'll sum up this, little, this, this, this bit about the, the two hostages with just a comment of my own. Um, uh, uh, again, something that's not discussed at all, as far as I can, turn, if I can turn, discern, by any international news organization, this is actually the first subterranean war in human history. Never before has there been a war of this kind in tunnels. There were tunnels in Vietnam, and Americans, American soldiers fought there, but were not. It's very you, you can't really compare them. The tunnels there were not sophisticated. They were not. Um, uh, 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 they didn't have, for instance, uh, concrete uh, bunkers and and, 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 and toilets and kitchens and rail lines and, and roadways in there. You can, you can go, you can ride from one place to another. They were not intercity. They were not underneath cities. Today, we know that in Gaza, in total, there are more than 800 kilometers of tunnels, several thousand piers and access points, a large plurality of them within supposedly neutral United Nations installations. Uh, they, these, these tunnels include rails, electricity, plumbing, tens of thousands of booby traps in kindergartens, clinics, schools, and nurseries. Comprehend that statement. Tens of thousands of booby traps in kindergartens, schools, clinics, and nurseries, all of whom are owned by the United Nations. Mm. These tunnels are also intercity. This is not tactical. This is strategic. And, of course, the final question here is, I mentioned just a moment ago that the, the world is so frightened of us going into Rafah. It has nothing to do with the refugees. No one gives it. No one in America can give the, the slightest bloody damn if the if the Palestinians are alive or not. Nobody wants them. Let's so go to a, so against the. Sorry. I I just want to say I wanted to go to a caller unless you want to finish up something. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, just so why is the administration so against us going to into Rafah? I can only surmise, of course, because I, I don't read um, uh, uh, Biden's thoughts, even if he had any thoughts. But my my surmise is that they don't want us going into Rafah because they're frightened out of their mind that we'll win. 
Nothing scares them more, more than that. I, I think so. They don't want a strong Israel. All right, let's go to a caller. We have Antonio joining us. Hi there, Antonio. What's your comment or question for us here at Israel News Talk Radio? Um, my statement regarding um, the Palestinians, the two-state so-called um, solution, as I said before, and I'm praying continue that that never be. And people need to realize that Israel is a Jewish state. There are about 21 or 22 Islamic countries and um, states. Let Israel be herself. Let her exist. Number one, um, if anyone read Malachi chapter 1 from verse 1 until 5, you see you can rebuild. But once again, in Gaza, we're going to Gaza. You can rebuild it, but Hashem is going to destroy it. So that's not going to happen. Number two, um, if you notice how they treated Gaza, the Palestinians, treated Gaza and East Jerusalem, they treated it like filth because they did not put any effort, they did not put any money, any funding into it. So they don't respect, respect it. Even the Temple Mount, they don't respect so why would you want to give it away? Give it away. What? No. For peace, every country needs to safeguard themselves. Israel is a Jewish country, needs to safeguard herself. And do not, absolutely do not listen to Biden, whoever in politics. You safeguard your country. You safeguard your people. Okay, you know and what, Antonio, okay, I just want to interrupt you because I, I want to say that Israel is doing... I happily, I'm happy to say that our prime minister is standing up against the international community that's trying to force uh, and ram down a Palestinian terror state down our throats and into the belly of Israel. That's number one. And number two, you said something, and I would like Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem to comment on that. You had mentioned the Temple Mount. And Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem, you know that in the news they've been talking the last couple of days about... Uh, whether r- the Ramadan holiday is coming up, and uh, Ramadan is is a month long holiday for the uh, for Islam. They fast during the day. They eat at night. Now this may hinder their fighting. Uh, I don't know, but there's talk now that if they're allowed on the Temple Mount, they may, in identification with the with their f- Islamic brothers in Gaza, try to um, physically. Possess it, take take it, and keep 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 their bodies there in order to wrest it away from our sovereignty. There's there's a whole bunch of talk whether Israel should let the, these Arabs come up and pray on Ramadan on the Temple Mount, or if they should uh, close it down and let them pray at home. So, what is your take on this? And thanks for your call, Antonio. I appreciate it. I have two more things. Okay, so then, then just, you'll wait. I'd just like him to answer that question. Go yeah. ahead, Mordechai. Mordechai? Oh, did I lose him? Oh, my. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, so l- let me try to get him back on. Why don't you uh, okay. make your statements that you wanted to? Okay, and um, the other thing is, if anyone would read, once you're inside of who Biden is, if it reads Second Kings, um, I think it's chapter two, First Kings. I'm sorry, verse um, chapter two. I, I send it to you tomorrow. But you know, do you remember King Solomon's brother who's tried to steal the throne? Yes. From him. Yes. And that is who Biden is. Read into it, and you'll see that in-depth reading into that. And my last thing is that has people fail to realize one thing. Hashem rules the world, and he said it, he meant it, and for Israel and for everyone to do what it's supposed to do. And I am so thankful that B.B. is standing up and he is saying no, N-O, no, period. And last comment, yes. I don't think they should be on a temple mount, because why? Why? They don't deserve it, because they are, they're not going to take care of it. They're going to do the same thing. On that note, I'll talk to you later tomorrow. Okay. Thank, uh, thank you for your uh, very good points. 
Antonio and uh, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, I don't know if we, we lost you during the show, but I don't know if you heard that I was talking about the question that the government now is trying to decide whether to let the Arabs go up to the Temple Mount on the Ramadan holiday. Were, were you still with us when I was talking about that? No, no, it is cut off. I, I, I okay. get back but somehow. Okay. Know, I missed all that. All right. So I wanted to ask you what you what your opinion was on that. They're worried that they might try to occupy the Temple Mount and wrest like this, you know, our sovereignty off of it and take it over and in solidarity with their Islamic brothers in Gaza and Hamas in Gaza. Well, well the, 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 the reality of things is that they hate their Islamic brothers in, in Gaza. So, I mean, you know, it's all a show. It's all a show. There's nothing there. But why? No, why do you say that when there. when they've done? Uh, they've asked the Arabs that are living in Judea and Samaria if they identify with Hamas, and they do. Oh, you're missing you're, you're missing the point. They identify with Hamas, not with the, not with the the, the denizens of, of Gaza. <laughs> the, the, the two are not related. All right, I I let let me hone out a little bit and say that the government is worried that if they open the Temple Mount to uh, Islamic Muslim uh, worship on the Ramadan holiday, which is a month-long holiday, they're afraid that there could be dire consequences to that, that they'll be trying to help Hamas in the war. So so you're... I'm agreeing agreeing with what you're saying. What I said is that it's all a show. They don't really give a hoot about about their so-called brothers. It's a show. But would they yeah, not try to? Would they not to try to make problems? That's what I'm asking. They would. You you don't think that they would try to make problems? You think it's perfectly of okay? Would. It's a show. It's not that I, that I really care about these people. It's a show. That's all it is. Ask him the uh, which ones of the which ones of these people. Is going to be willing to uh, for their daughter to marry somebody from Gaza, and they will shoot you. Okay, I'm not talking about uh, marrying in and and their their daughters to Gaza. I'm talking about helping the Hamas by making trouble on the Temple Mount. We know that. Of course, they will. Of course that's obvious. Okay, so so your advice to the government would be if they were to ask you to be an advisor on the issue. I don't have enough facts to give to give advice. My, my my gut reaction would be, and I reject this gut reaction. My gut reaction would be that if we can't go up, they can't go up. But that doesn't work. That's never that's never been the uh, that's never been the attitude of uh, certainly not of the police or the, or the security forces. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I want to make this point because you just said something that I did not say, and it's brilliant what you said. I don't know why I didn't say it first. For all of our listeners, the Jewish people are not allowed to go up in the Temple Mount. And pray. Did you know that? Did you know that a country that guarantees religious freedom, the Muslims can believe in Islam and go to their mosques and practice it, and the Christians can go to their churches and practice Christianity, the Jews can go to their synagogues, but the Jews are not allowed to go up on the holiest place on earth for the Jewish people and for the well, for the world, but for the Jewish people, because it's not the holiest place for Islamists. It's the third holiest place for Islam, but it's well, actually, the holiest that, place. That, that, that's actually a false as well. Okay, like, all right. But the, the fact the is that the Jewish so people true. are not allowed to pray on the Temple Mount. All right, so go ahead. Okay, so uh, my, I'm saying that's my gut reaction. I know that that's not right. That's not the right reaction, okay? But what I would say is that I personally just don't have enough data to be able to make an intelligent decision here you need people that have the data have the intel have the um uh uh uh, uh, uh the proper uh, uh information this is not a trivial question it's a, it's a complex question and i just don't know enough to be able to answer it okay so uh we had antonio who called in while you were speaking and he wants to remind people that and he's right by the way that every ramadan there are problems there are uprisings, there are uh, demonstrations and riots, rioting and terror attacks, et cetera, et cetera, um, during the Ramadan. Uh, so 
we it's it's a pattern so we know already that there's going to be trouble the question is do we minimize the trouble by not letting them go up to the temple mount and wreak havoc or is the political repercussion for not letting them do that going to be worse that's what they're probably debating okay as far as i can tell again i'm speaking from lack of data but as far as i can tell there will always be trouble there always has been there always will be fine okay how do you minimize that? Well, um, you, you, you do some uh, actions like, like searching people randomly here and there and there, etc., uh, to see if they're bringing in weapons. And you have a, a, a trained force that can go in there if something actually happens. And by the way, people, the trained force that goes in there are not Jews. These are Druze or other minorities here in the country that serve in, their, in, the, in, the, in the security forces and can go there without um, uh, 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 the, the, the racism that, that, that's promulgated by the, by the Islamists. Okay, but we have to remember also that, number one, if we use that strategy, which we have been doing, it's a defensive strategy. That, we, that means that something has to happen first. In other words, we have to yes. wait for the bad thing to happen and Correct. let it happen and, and before know, we can go and react. About, about, that is not about smart. Defensive strategies, I despise them. Yeah. You, you, there is no... Defense. It should be preventive and not defensive. And second of all, uh, we know that the. uh, I can't believe it. I'm having on air live a senior moment. (laughs) I wanted to say something else. All right, go ahead. Okay. So, anyway, the the, the issue of the time amount is an extraordinarily complex issue, and you need to have a great deal of data. I just don't have that data. I can't make really intelligent comments beyond very the, the generalities that I've mentioned till now. Okay. <clears throat> Next topic. Okay. Uh, I think this, this topic is really fascinating. Uh, as uh, um, uh, people who listen frequently have probably heard from me the name uh, Daniela Kimboni, who I consider to be the, the finest uh, financial and uh, uh, economic journalist in the world today. You can agree or disagree with me that I think she's the best, absolutely the best, by far. But she 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 does interviews. She just recently um, uh, changed uh, platform, but she still does her interviews. It's called the Daniela Comboni Show. I strongly recommend it. Um, uh, anyone who's interested in in the financial markets and in in, in currencies, uh, gold, etc., 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 all the issues of that nature. She recently interviewed a gentleman by the name of Eric Wade. Very interesting chap, who uh, is himself a, an, an economist and uh, an analyst in 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 in, in uh, markets and things like that. And he re- recently wrote a book, and the name of the book is America versus Americans. And I, I just personally believe that it was a fascinating study, and I just simply want to relate it quickly about some of the things that he mentioned there and my reaction to them. So Eric Wade, um, uh, uh, I'm quoting. Uh, Capitalism is broken. Despite its successes, capitalism gives us the largest wealth gap in American history, failing Social Security, a weak currency, and the looming threat of AI destroying our workforce. What if there was a better way? Look around America, almost a million homeless, 30 to 40 million people living in in involuntary poverty. Those are both true Capitalism has lifted people out of poverty and is creating wealth, but it is also true that 20 to 30 million Americans got left behind in a wealthy country, in a fantastic economic system. I'm still quoting from him. If we can respect labor more, you can increase the value of people's labor by lifetime free unlimited education, close quote. Okay, so the concept here is very interesting, very, very nice. Wade backs us up with a hard asset-based dollar, in other words, he wants the dollar to be asset-based and backed by, might be gold, it might be commodities, it might whatever, but backed by something, not just by air. Low federal taxes, I certainly agree with him on that. And then issue of what, what they call opt-out. You can, you can opt out of the system. It's not clear to me that how he manages to define that, but that's besides the point. He then claims that there was, has never been a socialist or communist program with opt-out. That last is factually incorrect. Deng Xiaoping, the uh, 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 former ruler of China, did have exactly that. He created capitalism, what, he, what they called 
capitalism with a socialist soul. That's what they called it. Uh, it worked. It worked very well. Present president president of China has destroyed that, and the Chinese economy really is in big trouble right now. Um, in my humble opinion, what is basically wrong with Wade's ideas? I think the ideas are fascinating. Don't misunderstand me. I think they're very interesting, but I think he made some basic errors. And I think they're very American kinds of errors. And that's not criticism of America, that's criticism of Wade. Okay? When Wade says education, he seems only to be speaking of practical education. In other words, science, engineering, economics, etc. We now know today that that simply is insufficient. We now know that that does not solve societal ills like drugs, alcohol, dishonesty, and violence. So just giving people um, a, a, a better income does not solve any of these problems, ever. B, this may aid those in the bottom rungs of the ladder, in other words, access to, uh, to, in, uh, to education uh, uh, without having to pay for it, perhaps. But with all due respect to capitalism, and I do respect capitalism very much, we know that with all its positive aspects and basically good people who are likely in the majority, there do exist vulture capitalists as well. This simply simply has too much altruism dependency, wage system. No effective capitalism can work over the long term, that is, without the concomitant social ills, without heavy dependency upon morality and moral education. And that's where he is sorely lacking. He just doesn't pick up on that issue. Without religion, without godliness, no society has ever succeeded or, or prospered for any length of time, ever in the history of mankind. The two largest cases, sorry, the two largest causes of bankruptcy in America are dishonesty and unplanned healthcare expenses. Unplanned, of course, we can't really deal with here, but dishonesty is an issue of education. And Daniela Camboni, again, brilliant comment. I'm quoting for her. Even if one does not agree with your point of view, the only way to really grow and educate yourself is by reading and learning about different points of view. Close quote. A brilliant comment by a, 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 a lady who I think is, as I said, the, the finest uh, uh, in her area in the world today. Uh, and let me just finish up this, this section for, for a moment. Okay. Um, a, a general name of Lee Carter, a poster, quote, we're in a crisis in this country of trust in our government and the systems of work for all of us, close quote. What are the real U.S. literacy rates today? What percentage of people complete high school today and how many of them can actually read and do basic arithmetic? The surveys that I've seen, and they might, they might, there might be other surveys that disagree with me, I don't know, um, significantly less than 50% of those finishing high school today can read they're functionally illiterate and functionally non-numeric. Even Iran, which is much, much smaller than the United States, less than a quarter, graduates more engineers today in absolute numbers than the United States does. And on a, just a, a, a on residual note to illustrate this point, the U.S. Army just canceled another, quote-unquote, future rotary craft program, third just program to be canceled, over the last few years, they spent $16 billion. All of that is now in the toilet. Crime begets crime. The color of the collar is inconsequential. Blue, white, pink, chartreuse, nobody cares anymore. The most basic issue today in America is not economics. It's what is the level of risk to go to the high school football game. <laughs> That's a different America versus Americans. And you said that there is a caller. Yes, we do have a caller. We have uh, joining us Tar from the occupied territories of Kansas. Hi there, Tar. What's your comment or question for us here? This one is talking. Hi, Tar. Uh, hey. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, uh, it is my belief, and many other beliefs, that the uh, the democratic government of the United States wants to keep America to keep uh, a, a great number of its poor and. Uh, and, you know, independent on welfare. 
nothing has has uh, changed the culture <laughs> of the United States since the introduction of welfare. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, they allow so many drugs into this country, and, uh, you know, and, and Americans are greedy, and, and they, you know, uh, whatever, I won't go there. <laughs> thing is, uh, just one little simple fact of t- drug testing people before they could get their welfare check or their, you know, their their food stamps would decrease a lot of it. But it's just apparent that um, the American government wants to keep um, a, a substantial amount of Americans poor, and unemployed, uh, whatever, uh, living on the streets. And that's just uh, what me and, and quite a few others believe. Well, you know, that's a really Thank good you. point you're bringing up, Tar, because it's a way to control people. If you've got, if they're depending on government handouts, then they have to do what the government tells them to do, whether it's uh, get vaccinated or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever, right? They're going to be, yes. they're going to be uh, inclined to do it because they want to see that check at the end of the, of the, of the month. So that's and a very it, it's always point. easier to, to control the downtrodden and the poor. It's always a lot easier and the, the bigger you can make that number of people the easier it is to control the whole nation yeah that's a very good insight that you had there that's that's terrific uh that you brought that up thank you thank you tar no, thank you okay. be well you take care of yourself be well tar bye-bye all right. Uh, you know, I just want to say here and just uh, add to what Tara said. My mother, when she was in university, one of her assignments was she was studying sociology, I think. I don't remember exactly, but uh, she was uh, she was tasked to go to the unemployment office or Social Security. I was a little girl, so I don't remember the exact details, but I do remember her saying that when she was there and watching what was happening, seeing the people standing in line, whatever, she saw three generations there. She would see the grandmother collecting her check. She would see the mother collecting her check. And then she would see the little kids from the mother on the floor playing that the mother would bring coloring books and crayons and they would sit there they would sit on the floor and, and color their coloring books and it was such just something that they did every month did you want to well, co- I, I, I don't know if you know the name thomas soul who i believe to be one of the greatest economists that's ever lived but that's my personal opinion um Brilliant, brilliant man. He's in his nineties now, and he's still and he's still active. He's still writing. He published a book when he was ninety years old. His last book. Hmm. Uh, wow. But what Tara was saying is exactly the findings of Thomas Sowell, and uh, he has uh, uh, um, uh, uh, renewed and reemphasized for the past fifty years. So everything that that Tara just said has been proven, absolutely proven. This is not conjecture any longer. This has been proven by. Again, the gentleman that I consider the greatest economist, uh, uh, certainly of the last century. So, yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I don't agree with, don't, I do not disagree with a single word that's hard said. I mean, absolutely on mark. Absolutely. Great phone call. That's why I love doing live radio, because I love hearing from our listeners and what's on their minds. And if they agree, disagree, we can, you know, we're not offended by someone else's opinion. Um we have very intelligent listeners, and I'm very proud of you listeners. <laughs> I'm very proud to have such wonderful caliber of, of listeners. All right. Uh, we Westerns say, Western sanctions a total failure. Uh, I, I'll, I'll start this with a, with a comment that I just think is it's so pathetic that it's humorous. Maybe, it's being, maybe I'm being unkind. I'm, I, I, if I'm being unkind, tough. Um, the World Bank has just estimated the cost to rebuild Ukraine. Now, remember, Ukraine was a, was is a very large country, or was a very large country. I don't care how you describe that. Uh, Forty, more than forty million total population before the war. It's now down to about eighteen million, but that's besides. So the World Bank estimated that, that to rebuild Ukraine would cost four hundred eleven billion dollars. That sounds like a big number, but the same World Bank is estimating that Gaza. A cesspool of a city-state uh, 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 is going to cost one trillion dollars to rebuild. I don't understand that. Can somebody explain to me why Gaza would cost uh, uh, two and a half times what 
all of Ukraine would cost. Right. And we, the think population of, is, a, is, a, is a fraction, the size is, a, is a, less than a fraction. This is ridiculous. Right. Obviously, all of these numbers are political. Corruption, no, corruption, no, corruption. Absolutely. So that, that, that's why I want to begin the discussion of Western sanctions, okay? Um, Iran is under heavy Western sanctions. Everybody knows this. Their economy is growing quickly and have become one of the world's fastest growing arms exporters. Russia is under heavy Western sanctions. Their economy grew last year by 3.6%, while the U.S. grew by under 3%. I think it was 2.8, I think. I don't remember exactly. Under 3. Russian growth outperforms all G7 countries. Syria is under heavy Western sanctions. Even Syria is growing more, th more than, than, than hurting from the sanctions. And one can't get much sicker than Syria. I mean, remember, Syria is still at war and still in the civil war. There are some 830 foreign bases in Syria. Of that, 570 of them are Iranian. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, what are we talking about when we're talking about Western sanctions? They're a total failure. You know where rest of Western sanctions have been phenomenally successful? In, in Germany. Oh, I was going to say Russia. Okay. No. They, they've totally failed in Russia. Russia, the economy is growing faster. Oh, I, okay. So sorry. I got it the opposite. Go ahead. Yeah. And now uh, uh, Britain and Japan have also gone into recession along with Germany. So these countries are feeling the sanctions of, 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 uh, of, of the Western sanctions against Russia. Russia is not, not so much. And obviously they're feeling it, but it's not really, not really anything that they can, that they're really getting on about. It just doesn't matter. That's Western sanctions. Total failure. Total. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, if it wasn't so horrible, so pathetic, so disappointing, it would be hilarious. Okay. Let's go on to Moody's. I mean, most people have probably heard that uh, Moody's, the rating agency, downgraded uh, Israel's um, uh, 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 credit rating. By one point, the first time in our history, by the way, that, that our credit rating was down, downgraded. Um, David Wu, who is a, a fascinating gentleman, um, he's, a, he's, he's originally from Taiwan. He moved to the United States at the age of 15. Um, uh, uh, I believe he has a doctorate from some very prestigious universities. I don't remember his, his, his employment history, but it's very, very... Um, uh, 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 in, in 2013, he was called by Business Insider one of the 12 smartest people on Wall Street. This is a this is a really smart guy, and he lives in Israel, by the way. Now, he teaches at uh, Rashman University, which is our uh, our uh, uh, largest private uh, institution of, of higher learning. Quoting him, he was asked about the uh, downgrading uh, the, the Moody's downgrading, and I'm quoting: immediately after the Moody's decision came out, the shekel went down. But listen. It took yesterday, the shekel already rebounded back to the pre-downgrade level. But most importantly, over the last three months, the Israeli shekel was, again, I'm quoting David Wu, not me, the Israeli shekel was the best-performing currency in the world. Huh. The market is less concerned about the devastating effect of the war on the Israeli economy because the fundamentals are strong. That's so hard to believe when our economy... You know, people are away fighting in a war for four months. This is Israel's longest war since the War of Independence. And businesses are failing and hurting. Well, not quite so true anymore. The, 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 the reservists have mostly been gone, gone back to work. But who's, the, the ones who are fighting in Gaza right now, almost exclusively regular soldiers, regular army, and not the reservists. So the, the country has gone back to work almost completely. Yeah, but I can give you That's an example. Month at least. I can give you this morning on the news, they were going to, you know, saying coming up after these, you know, these messages, we're going to be interviewing somebody who fought for four months in Gaza and he's coming back and he doesn't have a job anymore. And I can oh, say from, wait, 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 wait. And I can say from my sons who are real estate agents here in Israel, they also, their business tanked. I mean, they're still in business, right? But like, barely, like by the skin of their teeth, because they weren't here to be able to 
Okay, yes. I'm, I'm so that, that, Israel is suffering. And hopefully they'll, you know, recover from this. Hopefully people will, will want to, you know, purchase and, and, and you know, they'll, they'll be able to build their business back up. But it's, it's hurt sorely from fighting, of going to Gaza and fighting. I mean, that, that's obvious. But you have to remember that in terms of economics, in terms of macroeconomics, wars always accelerate the economy. They're not a they're not a dampener on the economy. Always that that's just a fundamental of, it, of macroeconomics. War is good for the economy. Horrible for humans, bad, uh, uh, but good for the economy. That's just the way it works. Unless you're unless you unless you know unless you're the Biden maladministration where they're 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 at war all all over the world instead of uh, 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 figuring out how to do things right, they're they're going backwards. But, or you know, or unless you lose the war. Well, that's something. That's a different issue. I'm talking about okay. war as a process, as a, as a. Okay. As a. I understand what you're saying. Control. I understand what you're saying. Like Vietnam was a good. Was it a was good, good for the economy of the yeah. United States? It right. was horrible for people. Right. It was good right. for the economy. Right. No. Look, let's go back. Go back. 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 Okay. I mean, one can easily say, and I'm certainly not saying anything against the the, the gentleman that fought in World War II. God forbid. They, 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 they did a phenomenal job, but there were a small, very small portion of the, of the total American um, total American effort. What, who won the war the, in World War II? It was actually the American economy and their, America's industrial base, which was fantastic. Of course, again, I'm not saying anything against the soldiers, God forbid. <clears throat> they were phenomenal, but what won the war for the United States, for the, for the Western world, in World War II was America's phenomenal uh, industrial base. And today, Russia is producing more ammunition, just as one example, and more munitions than all of the Western countries together, including the United States. And this is after two years. The United States has still not figured out how to, how to manufacture the, 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 the weaponry that they, that they need for, 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 for fighting. The, the, the fleet in the Red Sea, for instance, that's that's so-called uh, protecting from from the Houthis, which they're failing, of course. They're running out of ammunition. So, <laughs> anyway, so that's that's in terms of economics. Let, let's go over the last uh, last uh, uh, issue because it's a small one and it's and it's sort of interesting. Um, as people as people probably know, Europe in terms of natural resources begins by being the, uh, the the poorest in natural resources of, of all continents on, on the planet. And, of course, most of their natural resources are pretty much depleted. So Europe's largest gold mine is in Turkey. This gold mine, um, uh, it's called the Kapler Mine. Uh, I, I can't pronounce the name of the province of people. Excuse me. It's E-R-Z-I-N-C-A-N. I don't know how to say that. Uh, this week, there, there was a massive... 10 million cubic meters of earth landslide caused by environmentally insensitive mining operations, whatever the heck that means, uh, but it buried the mine. Gold is extracted using large quantities of cyanide. The mine is 300 meters away from the Euphrates River. Aye, aye, aye. This 10 million cubic meters of earth are, are, are in danger of sliding into the Euphrates, which is the main water source for Syria, Jordan, and Iraq. So Europe's largest gold mine is actually in the process of destroying those countries totally, killing tens of millions of people in in some of the worst life-threatening danger that has ever occurred there, ever ever in the history of mankind and not a single European news agency has reported it. Wow. Not a single European country has offered to help Turkey. You know, I'm not, I'm not a great fan of Turkey, but these are human beings. I don't care what they, what, what, you know, if they, I mean, Turkey hates, hates the, the, the Kurdish people in this province is primarily Kurds. So not, 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 not really concerned because, the Turks are kind of dumb jerks. But where's Europe? They're talking about humanitarian? 
Where, in what way, what way are they ever humanitarian towards anybody? Again, tens or hundreds of millions of people are in real, real danger now from cyanide. Massive quantities of cyanide. And not a single European country has offered help. Zilch, nada, nothing. Well, they're too busy condemning Israel for defending itself yeah. and fighting terror right. and, and fighting their enemies, by the way. We're fighting, Israel. you know, these are the enemies of the West as well. We're fighting mutual enemies, but I guess both of them hate us more. So, you know, what can you say? But they, not, but they hate everybody. It's not just us. Well, you know, but they like the Kurds. <laughs> they like the Iraqis. They like the Syrians. What you know? They're they're not responsible for this business. I don't have any great affinity for the for the Iraqis or for the Syrians. I, I, I'm not rubbing against them, but I, I certainly like the Kurds. They've been they've been good to us for thousands of years. The Kurds, but I mean, this is a, this is a horrible disaster. Why isn't anybody acting or reacting, doing saying something? Unbelievable. Well, why isn't Turkey complaining? Well, Turkey is. Nobody's reacting. Uh huh. Turkey is, 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 is scrambling desperately to prevent this from from sliding into the Euphrates. Turkey also needs that water. The Turkey, the Turks also also drinks that water. I mean, the Turks hate the hate the Kurds. They don't care if a few million Kurds die, but they don't want that, their whole the whole uh, uh, eastern half of Turkey to be to be to be poisoned. Even they're not that stupid. Wow. Not a single Western European news agency reported this. Not one. The only news agency that I found, international news agency that I found that reported this, is from India. I'm sorry, that's embarrassing. I'm just trying to digest it. It, it. it is definitely news. We're talking about the oh, lives yeah. of millions of people. We're talking about water, like the basic. <sighs> wow. And this is the Euphrates, one of the biggest rivers in the world. <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. It's just unbelievable. Nobody could care less. Anyway, that's the report for this week. Okay, we have a caller, uh, Philip from Minnesota. I should say the occupied territory, the occupied territories of Minnesota. Hi there, Philip. <laughs> yes. I, I just want to be accurate. That's all. I just want to be accurate. Go ahead. A crazy question uh, for you. See what you think of it, um, Doctor Mark. I may have some some technical uh, uh, issues with it. Uh, but we, we have this, this funding proposal that's before Congress passed the Senate sitting in our house, um, kind of held hostage by this false dichotomy between uh, providing foreign aid for our, our allies uh, and, and defending our and protecting our southern border. Um, the question I have is, is so why don't we make Mr. Putin pay for uh, the, the Ukrainian war expenses and... And his, his oligarchs, and uh, and throw a little bit Israel's way as well, so that that isn't held up by just liquidating the 350 billion in estimated assets, bank assets that we have frozen uh, between Russia and and uh, and the oligarchs in Western banks. Just wondering if you think okay, that's it's an excellent question. Crazy idea it's a people. very it's an excellent question, Phil, and a very smart question. But we don't have the time to give you the answer. I can, I can give you an extra minute if wait, you need more. Wait, 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 wait. What I would suggest to you is there is a site called Warographics, as one word. They had a, uh, a a program there half an hour or just just under half an hour, which explained it very, very well why that is an issue. Technically, the, this money, which is frozen now, can be confiscated. Legally... That is extremely complex to do that. It is not clear if it can be done. It might happen, 
but it's not clear at this point if it is if it is actually possible, and it is not clear how much damage that would do to the world economy or how much damage that would do to the dollar as a reserve currency. It's an extremely complex issue. I, if, you, if you're interested in it, I think it's a fascinating question. Go to this video, Waro Graphics. It's very, very well done. Someone by the name of... Uh, 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 I forget the guy's name, doesn't matter. He did a very good job. I just saw it this morning. Um, uh, and he explains it very well, but it's a half-hour explanation. All right. I'll check it out. Just repeat the website. It's Waro Graphics, you said? Waro Graphics is one word, yes. Okay, dot com. Or dot org. Uh, no, uh, just, look, just look up Waro Graphics. And, and okay, you'll do Google search. You can, and, and YouTube. Okay, thank you Done so deal. much for thank your call. You. Blessings on you and yours. Thank you. All right. We've come to the end of the show. Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, I want to thank you very much for coming on and say thank you to all of our listeners. We're getting your emails. We can't answer them all, but we do try to read them all. So I want to thank you all for writing in. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. My pleasure.